Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a very lovely, beautiful new guest with me, beautiful inside and out. She has an amazing soul, and she is a dynamic, uh, tell it like it is kind of lady, which, you know, us in the community really, really love to see that um, no matter what your truth is that you're speaking. So welcome, Miss Natalie Beisner. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. Happy to Um, be here. I'm excited to have you on the show today. I know you were on uh, my best friend Ellie's show and and she called me instantly and she's like, you got to have her on your show. She would be perfect for you. So for, for guests who don't know Natalie Beisner, tell them first like who you are, what you're about. But I want to get into like your background as well. Um, I like to say that I am a former liberal atheist Democrat, um, had my whole life kind of change in 2020. I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> Probably and, uh, one or two. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I walked away from the Democrat party in, in 2020 and that opened my eyes to a lot of things. And now I am a, I guess, a conservative content creator. I talk about social and political issues. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's how Ellie and, and both of you found me. So um, that's what I do. So what um, what is your background as far as um, like growing up? What did you do career wise and, and stuff like that? Just to give people an overview of like who you are. I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, so and I was also an actress for a very long time. So those two things. um made it very easy to be sort of the the atheist Democrat that I was for a very long time. And um, I left left acting in 2018, um, not for any political reasons necessarily. I was still very much on the left and um, sort of floated around and was lost for a little while. And then, um, like I said, you know, 2020 opened opened my eyes to a lot and um, renewed my conviction, you know, uh, gave me a purpose uh, to to get up every day and keep fighting because a lot of what I saw, I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll get into this, but a lot of what I saw was was so wrong and opened my mm-hmm. eyes to so much and I, I wanted to speak out about it. But yeah, uh, born and raised in Southern California, I used to be a, a theater actress and um, yeah. So when you were growing up, were your family political? At all? Uh, not really, no. My parents are Republicans, I think, but just not, we weren't overly political. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, was going to say, because Southern California is, is pretty, uh, pretty conservative area. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, in 2018, I think they started shifting kind of like purple in Orange County. I'm from Orange County specifically. Mm-hmm. Now I live in Los Angeles, so I'm right, I'm right in the thick of it. But um, I was born and raised in Southern California or in Orange County. And um, I think they're com- becoming a little more purple. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like to say uh, that my father was um, a Trump supporter in 2016, and I could not understand it because mm-hmm. I hated Donald Trump. And I still have my qualms about him now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a person, you know, not right. a god. And I have a lot of criticisms, but 
I voted for him proudly in 2020 and that was like an authentic shift. And so when you bring up or anyone brings up my family in politics, I was grateful that I had my father in retrospect to show me that, okay, everything they're saying about Trump supporters isn't true because it's not true about my dad. So there must right. be something more to the story. And even though that wasn't enough to clue me in uh, until, like I said, 2020 and after, it was enough. I, I think it kept me a little grounded so that I didn't go way off the deep end like <laughs> some people have. Oh my God, they really are crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are some crazy ones, I, I <laughs> admit true. that. Now, mm -hmm. so do you think like your political leanings started like when you went to college or did it come like before that? No, you know, I was just, I really did not know what was going on when I was in college, when I was out of college, before college. <laughs> I just, it was, it was really default Democrat. I didn't vote for any midterms ever. I didn't vote mm -hmm. in any primaries. I went right. every four years. I voted Obama and then I voted Clinton in 2016. I just went every four years and I honestly, I just voted for the president, the Democrat president every four years. So mm -hmm. it really was not uh, any, any kind of, I mean, I, I was convicted in the, that this is the right way to go, but I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't out on the streets marching. I wasn't political at all. It was just like, I, I didn't question the fact that well, you're supposed to be a Democrat because I was immersed in in theater, which obviously is very much, you know, kind of one way right now. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I did not I did not wake up to anything at all. And I'm sure I still have a lot to learn until 2020. So what made you decide to pursue uh, theater? I'm a really shy person. And um... <laughs> you, would, oh, my gosh, you would never know that. <laughs> I really, really am. I I wanted to be a nun when I was growing up, um, and I would, I would dress up like a nun in this nightgown that I had tied around my uh, head and like a veil. Um, I was so shy, and then in high school, I auditioned for a play, and I got one of the lead roles, and it was the first time in my life that. I felt like I could get out of my shell at all. And then mm -hmm. I kept auditioning. I kept getting the leads and um, I just fell in love with it, you know, and I pursued it for a long time, went to college for it. I loved theater, which, you know, is not how you make a ton of money acting. <laughs> Probably um, not. No. Unless you're, unless you're one of those uh, Brad Pitt type characters or whatever. Yeah. $50 billion a movie or whatever. Right. Yes. Yeah. But theater's rough. You know, I still love it. Um, I, I feel kind of betrayed by a lot of what's happened with theater, mm -hmm. specifically in Hollywood. The last three years, it, it feels like they're having their own little mini pandemic, um, even still in a lot of ways when I talk to my friends. But I will always love theater. I just realized that, and I'm sure anyone who's ever pursued acting listening to this, when you are pursuing acting, your job is auditioning. And your vacation is booking. So you have to be okay with my job, nine to five, even after five o'clock, sometimes late at night. <laughs> right. Happening. But that's your job is auditioning, going in and kind of making a fool of yourself sometimes in front of strangers. And that takes a certain kind of person. And I'm grateful I got out when I did, because I don't think I would have been able to handle it during the pandemic if that had still been my dream. Um, mm -hmm. I had a lot of feelings about the way the pandemic was handled, especially in LA. And if my dream had still been to act, I think I would have had a very, very hard, you know, come to Jesus moment. So I'm glad I got out when I did, but I'll always, always love theater and acting. I know that LA was like super strict 
on regulations during the pandemic because I, I have good friends that live in L.A. Plus, my uh, my husband is actually from Orange County. That's why, oh. like, I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, they were telling me, you know, if, if you had a business that, um, you open the doors and, and the, you know, mayor had told you not to, or whatever, that he was shutting utilities off. And I was like, Oh, or the, the yeah. fines, the fees for not mm -hmm. wearing a mask. And mm -hmm. yeah. Glendale, Glendale gave fees for not wearing a mask. I don't know if they ever actually shut utilities off, but I'll take your word for it. I know they threatened mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles was in an indoor mask mandate until March of last year, you know, so mm -hmm. it went on for a long time. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy to me how, how all of that uh, came about. So I know that you also um, are a writer. Mm -hmm. You wrote um, a very good essay that people should read. Um, tell me what got you interested in doing that as well. Um, I, when I stopped acting, I, I've always been a reader, always been interested in writing. And, and when mm -hmm. I stopped acting in 2018, I kind of got very into writing. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I don't know what essay you're talking about. <laughs> um, the, the, about the text, the morning after text. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, so you did your research. <laughs> I did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yes. You know, I was still, uh, yeah, that that was when I was still very much of, of a certain mindset. And um, looking back now, I, I think it led me to, to where I am because I do think so much of, I mean, moving beyond COVID, moving beyond left and right, so much of what's going on today is a lot of uh, unhappiness, a lot of lies right. in the culture, a lot of lies. I think I really do believe that women are the, are the first casualties of the lies that we mm -hmm. have been spreading in the culture for decades now. And then of course, when women fall, men fall and families fall. And um, for a time I wrote, I wrote personal essays, a mix of fiction and nonfiction, kind of like creative nonfiction, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I still I still enjoy that, um, but I don't uh, write those kind of pieces so much anymore. And yeah, I don't know. So this is going to sound like a, a strange question, but maybe, maybe not. Um, so since you kind of left, you know, acting and stuff, unless, you know, it was a like a small role or or something that you know, you want to do on the side. What direction did you go to now? What do you do now? I work for, for money. I work as a nanny to a family. They have three children, biological children on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I sort of fell into that because in 2020, I was working in restaurants and I was an after school tutor. So I immediately lost those jobs and never saw them again. And I uh, lucked out. I met this family who was looking for some extra help and they didn't need me to wear a mask. They didn't need me to take in any kind of uh, medical treatment. And so it just worked out. I'm not trained to do it at all, but I guess I have on the job training now <laughs> the last two years. There's <laughs> really never any training for that. <laughs> just, Until just you're thrown in. in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can say that because we have children. Yes. yes. Um, so, you, you know, what's funny is, when you mentioned autism, 
I saw something um, earlier that had, you know, it was about like the trans agenda and into their pride flag. Now they have adopted the autism symbol mm-hmm. and put wow. that in the front and the pride flag. And I find that very interesting because um, if you, if you research into or know, know much about the Tavistock Institute um, and they had started um, a specialized clinic to transition youth. And when they got investigated, most of the people that they uh, signed up to transition were autistic. Yes, that that does not surprise me. I have heard um, and read a little bit about that. And I do Mm -hmm. It just even seeing these kids who their friends are online, that kind of thing, it, there seems to be obviously not a doctor, not a scientist, as people like to remind me, but there seems to be some kind of correlation. And I think, mm-hmm. and we all know that uh, transgenderism, gender dysphoria has a, a bunch of, you know, comorbidities or things that Correct. coexist with it, rather. It's not, it's right. never not just gender dysphoria. And I think it's something that really should give us pause because. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go too far down. <laughs> oh, d- you're not going to shock anybody that listens to the show because <laughs> yeah, I've listened uh, to, I've listened to it. So I know, but I mean, are they trying to get rid of people with autism? You know, I don't know. I, cause it is some type of this treatment, quote unquote, for gender mm-hmm. dysphoria. It is some type of eugenics, you know, when you're talking about making people and obviously God forbid children infertile, Mm-hmm. And are you, is there some kind of effort to stamp out autism or among other mm-hmm. things? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we see that with abortion in places like the Netherlands right. and it really does. It, it gives me a lot of concern. Or, or you could move to Canada and get uh, euthanized by the government. If you right. have, I don't know, like you need a wheelchair. So it's you know. all tied together, all playing God, <laughs> you know. And these kids are, I mean, it goes without saying, I'm sure, but kids on the autism spectrum are great. They're all very different, but right. they just look at the world differently and, uh, you know, not to mm-hmm. sugarcoat it. There's there's some issues that they have and I some of them may never live on their own, but they're wonderful artists. They look at the world differently. and Right. Yeah. And they're, they're generally very, very, very creative mm-hmm. and very yeah. loving. Yes. You know, they're, they're like what I, I'm a retired nurse, but when I was still practicing, they were the most loving population of patients mm-hmm. that we ever had. And I, I just loved it. I used to get such a kick out of every time they would come in the office. So that was one of my favorite things. Yeah. So, Tell people um, like what, and I know p- people probably ask you this all the time, but what was your moment um, that you referenced in 2020 where it kind of set you into a mind shift? It was summer 2020. Um, I was fully on board with the COVID stuff at first. Uh, I was worried about losing my jobs because I struggle financially. I come from a family that struggles financially. I help out. Mm-hmm. family members, etc. But other than that, I stayed home. I wore a mask at the grocery store. Um, didn't wear one when I was walking outside, but that was it. I, I did everything to a T. 
And I did you follow the arrows on the supermarket? <laughs> no, no, that I did not. <laughs> that really, that was one of the things. Is as I was just about to say, is as time went on, I started asking questions like about those those arrows. When are we going to get back to work? Obviously, two weeks was never two weeks. People right. would yell at me for not wearing a mask out on the sidewalk, even though I would get off the sidewalk to them across the street because I would take these long walks because I didn't have a job and I didn't have a car. And people would be men, women, it didn't matter. They would yell at me about what a horrible person I was. So these little things started happening. And I was really feeling like a little worried about when are we going to get back to work? And then summer 2020, when I saw the politicians, the leaders in my city, even some of the medical community mm -hmm. supporting these protests on behalf of George Floyd, that mm -hmm. felt like a punch in the gut. I, I could not believe that. And it wasn't even about the protesting because I want you to be able to peacefully protest. Right. Obviously, we know it wasn't all peaceful, but also it was not only are they just saying, OK, constitutionally, you're allowed to do this. Some of them were going out and taking a knee, uh, supporting the protesting. Meanwhile, there's people who can't go to work. And to your mm -hmm. point about how strict L.A. was, I saw these mom and pop shops, these independent stores, these restaurants that had just barely been allowed to open in late May mm -hmm. with so many restrictions. I saw them board up again. We had a curfew, uh, a nightly curfew because of peaceful protests on top of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind that this seemed remotely acceptable. Like, like this would help anyone in the community. I don't care what, what color you are. And I, I walked away from the Democrat party because it wasn't just that I disagreed about, okay, well, maybe this isn't the best way to handle an unprecedented situation. Mm -hmm. It was that whenever I brought this up, I, I would bring it up online in these very long posts. Like, you know, we discussed I'm a writer. I, I was overly polite at the time because I was so afraid of what I was saying. But I would bring up these posts about how everyone's essential, you know, your job is essential to you. If right, it's absolutely. And I would just be like torn down by these people. And I know this is all anecdotal, but these people who otherwise liked me, I had been in plays with them. They had directed me, all of this stuff. These people thought I was a nice person, but I could not question the COVID narrative and I could not question the BLM narrative. Mm -hmm. And I gave it enough time, I felt like, and then I just walked away from the Democrat party. And I have the understanding that obviously at the time, Republicans were doing the same thing. I, I, I know we all probably agree in many right. ways. I don't think in every way, but in many ways, it's two wings of the same bird. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But yeah. the Democrats held on for so much. I mean, L.A. held on for so much longer. And I saw the vaccine passports coming from a mile away at that point. Mm -hmm. right. And I knew at that point that I didn't want the vaccine. I knew I probably didn't need it because it became clear relatively early on that this was not quite as bad as they initially predicted. I mean, CNN was saying right. millions millions dead by the time this was done. And thank God it wasn't as bad. And I mm -hmm. knew right then that I didn't want the vaccine. And I knew right then that it was not going to be optional. And sure enough, you know, six months after I left the Democrat Party, this I couldn't go into a restaurant or a bar in my city. I couldn't go into the library. And it, it, it's it, so it wasn't just a little blip on the radar. And it feels as though Democrats particularly wanted to Democrat cities and states wanted to milk COVID for all it was worth. And then that led me down a path of, okay, well, I feel burned by this party, this ideology that I've followed all my life. Right. And so I'm going to start questioning other things. And that's how I became the way I am. It was, it was very much, I always want to be clear that it was not, well, you guys shut down. You didn't let me go out and party on a Friday night. So now I'm a Christian conservative. That's not what happened at all. Mm -hmm. I just, I have yet to see one, really one Democrat politician, and maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong 
apologize for the way COVID was handled, recognize that they were wrong, anything at all. And I, I, I know a couple on the right who have, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't know anyone on the left who has. And so I just can't, I can't support that part well, anymore. You know, and, and like you had mentioned <clears throat> the George Floyd stuff, and that's what got me, mm -hmm. made me so angry because they shut down churches. They shut down small businesses. However, um, big businesses uh, like Walmart or Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Gavin Newsom's wineries that he owns, they were allowed to stay open. But you couldn't go to church. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't go open your restaurant. And if you did, you had to follow all these stupid things about, you know, all this putting up plexiglass and all this other crazy stuff. But you can go out and protest. Exactly. And be, you don't have to be six foot apart. Right. You can be right on top of each other. But you can't go out, if you can find a restaurant to eat at, you can't go out with your spouse or your kids um, unless you wear a mask, at least until you sit down at your table. What? <laughs> hey, that works for short people like me because it'll always just go right over my head. So You're always under COVID, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, so the things that mind they mind. do and that like a lot of stuff that they do, not just for COVID, but everything makes no sense to me. No. You know, and <clears throat> you peasants follow these rules, but we don't have to follow the same rules that we put in place for you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, as a hairdresser, you cannot work, but politicians can go and get their hair done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like Nancy Pelosi, Lori Lightfoot, all uh -huh. of that. Yeah. It's, and your job, like I said, your job People is juice. To you. It's <laughs> she's uh yeah, her defending that was outrageous. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm surprised more people didn't, you know, a lot of people did. I've met a lot of people who had some kind of shift, even if it wasn't to conservative Christian. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised more people didn't wake up because there was so much that was so completely odd. And the thing of it, it was going back to what I said is you could not ask, but there was no discussion. And then right. it turns out three years later, we were all right, which we knew, but there was mm -hmm. no discussion. And that, that's, I mean, I don't knowingly or otherwise they shoot themselves in the foot because when there's no discussion that really grinds my gears and I'm probably not going to follow you, but I would have been more likely to follow you if there had been some kind of any Open kind of dialogue. debate. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. But you're not allowed to debate or have a discussion with somebody that does not agree with you. Mm -hmm. um, and who has different like mindset values because they get so upset and then they name call. They don't have an argument. They just name call instantly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> it's funny. And that funny. was my experience. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say is it's it's funny that 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 is the thing, because, you know, words are so loosely thrown around these days and there are terms that they loosely throw around to label people as. So now, you know, you have black Nazis, you have Hispanic Nazis, you know, <laughs> all of Very these elder. things. And I'm like, of white supremacy. Uh -huh. And I'm like, <laughs> Do you even know what the term is that you're right. throwing out there? I'm I'm not sure. 
So. And it's so, it is, it's, I think it's, I mean, obviously it's so disrespectful to the people who've actually been victims of those types mm -hmm. of people. It, it waters it down to where, of course, if everything is racism, well, then nothing is racism. Everything's right. just awful. And we really don't have to fight racism because it's everywhere and it's everything. And we'll never get past it because of our white skin. And that was one of the other things is that when I uh, fought against lockdowns, I was called racist, which I just thought was crazy. You right. know? And it was sort of this... I, I, one of the reasons I left acting, not the main reason, but one of the reasons I left acting in 2018 was that I saw this shift for racial diversity above everything else. Correct. And especially in Hollywood, which I was mm -hmm. trying to do to make money, even though I loved theater. And obviously we saw that outside of Hollywood, but I feel like sometimes Hollywood does it first and then everyone else follows. Right. And it's clear that no one, I don't say this with any bitterness whatsoever because I, I don't want to go back to acting in that, in, in Hollywood, in the mainstream, but it was clear that my story was not important as a woman who looked the way that I did. And right. so it was one of the reasons why I left. And it was the first time I remember hearing in 2017, 2018 phrases like white privilege. Right. Um, and that did not sit right with me because it doesn't match my experience. I'm very Same. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. We're blessed to live in this nation. We're like the top 1% living in this nation, but I don't know what white privilege is. I mean, I know what they say it is. It doesn't match my parents' experience. It doesn't match Same. my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a slap in the face. And in 2020, it felt like a bigger slap in the face because here I was struggling, wanting and needing to go back to work. And mm -hmm. there's mental health issues, emotional issues, not being able to see your family. I had a grandmother die alone during all this. So it's, it's right. beyond the financial. I know we love to rag on capitalism and well, why can't we all just stay home? But it was beyond just the financial of it. And I was being told to read White Fragility and how to be an anti-racist. And no one wanted to hear my concerns <laughs> about the lockdowns. I was just told to do the work during this allegedly deadly pandemic when I was allowed to go out and protest on behalf of a criminal. But right. I didn't go to work. And that that really it's it's this weird race thing tied with COVID that made it that much worse. It wasn't just, oh, we're all locked down right now and we can't mm -hmm. talk about it, we can't argue it. It was the the George Floyd thing that happened and it now made it a racial thing. And if you said anything about lockdowns, you were racist. If you didn't fall right in line with BLM, you were racist. And I, it, it was all just so, I mean, really, I think destructive to the narrative of BLM. I, I agree with the sentiment mm -hmm. of Black Lives Matter. I don't agree with the organization at all. And it was destructive to public health officials. You know, this whole thing right. is so, so destructive. A hundred percent. And <clears throat> I could not agree with you more because this is how far we have slid as a society where you're expected to apologize for the color mm -hmm. of your skin and you did not choose it. Right. It was chosen for you because hello, that's something that is, that is God ordained. That's not us. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you have to feel bad because of your skin color. You have to feel bad because you're a woman. You have to feel bad because you're a man. You have to feel bad because you're straight, you know, and that to me, it's like every part of their program per se that they're doing right now or enacting is something to further destroy the family. Yes. And, and that bothers me so, so, so much because I'm all about my family. I love my family. I, men are not toxic. Uh, 
women aren't better than men. Men aren't better than women. We are made to be helpmates to yes. each other. Absolutely. It all goes back to that. And I think I, there is something very nefarious going on. Um, mm. You know, even just the, the, the critical race theory tied with the gender theory, it, it, it seems to me very concerning to tear down someone because of the color of his skin or because of his gender being born biologically male. But, oh, here's this new gender and here's this new identity you can have as a white person or as a biological male that will give you some points that you otherwise would not have had. I think the two go hand in hand in a lot of ways, critical race theory and gender right. theory. Agreed. And mm -hmm. it's it's very, very concerning. And, and it all does go back to destroying the family, you know, and it's, it's, it's so divisive to, to talk like this, to, to say that someone has any kind of fault for being a certain skin color. And mm -hmm. of course there's, there's no end to that. You know, there, we're told to read these books. I was told to read these books, do this work, but I'm also told I'm inherently racist and there will never come a day where I won't be racist. And right. I where, do you, where you're suddenly cared. Right. And these people have a livelihoods doing this, you know, so what what is the end game here? And there will never come a day also where we can erase our history, which is both tragic and also wonderful. But right. we're never going to be able to go back in time and erase that. And, you know, I did read how to be an anti-racist, actually. And a quote in there, Kendi says that the only remedy for past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only remedy for present discrimination is future discrimination. So clearly that is endless discrimination. And we're seeing that now. I think that there's a lot of things coming out uh, against women in defense of right. men because men have been discriminated against. And we're seeing that a lot of things are coming out in defense of black people against white people because obviously white people, uh, black people have been discriminated against. And what, in 200 years, are we going to be, you know, the white people fighting against the black people because we've been discriminated against for the past 200 years? You know, it's it's a never ending pendulum in that way. So right. clearly at a certain point, we have to move past the past and figure out how to move forward to where we're not constantly seeking retribution or maybe that's just something humans do i i don't know but well and i don't i don't believe that to be true i honestly think that that would not be a thing none of that would be a thing if if the media and politicians mm -hmm. stopped putting that as a focus yeah because for me personally um, where I grew up was a mix of literally everything. I had people from every walk of life that I was friends with, rich, poor, you know, whatever color, it didn't matter. And I still live my life like that today. I love everybody until you're a shit person. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of. Um, what they do and what they, I can say this because my daughter graduated from, from a master's program not too long ago, but it's like they program them to think that uh, everybody in the world is, you know, this specialized group, whatever the group of the time is, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're uh, transgender today or before it was like, um, only elevating, you know, X, Y, Z group, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But it's like at the same time, they're taught to also shit on everybody else who's not in whatever yes. group it is they're elevating. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good point. And it always changes. And it's a very, mm -hmm. it is chaos because 
you know, I always bring up the example of Dave Chappelle versus the trans community, which he wasn't even against the trans community. But right. it's like this weird thing where the left can't decide or even just women in the trans community, which women, they would normally be on our side because we're so quote unquote oppressed. But oh, when the trans come in, they're more oppressed. And the, the left is constantly trying to grapple with, okay, in this situation, who's the oppressor and who's the oppressed? They don't mm -hmm. see people as 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 just individual people. I think right. a lot of this comes from having lost God. You know, we are a nation where you have freedom of religion, and I'm a relatively new, you know, born again Christian. But if you believe that Christ died on the cross for you, and that mm -hmm. that is sufficient, and it's sufficient also for the sins of slavery, which are horrific, right. and it's still going on today. By the way, we spoke about Sound of Freedom, right. but. There is no sin, including slavery, where now for generations, for hundreds of years after, you have to continually atone for it because Christ did that. And this right. is a very anti-biblical, anti, and I, I understand that everyone's a Christian, 100%. but anti-God. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I am I am very much a Christ believer. Um and I want to ask you, like, since you said at the beginning of the show, you used to be an atheist. Um, did you grow up with church and then you you kind of morphed into the atheistic beliefs? Is that yeah. how that happened? Because that's yeah. what most people do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I followed the, the regular path of once I turned 18. Uh -huh. um, I, I was born and raised Catholic. I, I completed all the sacraments. Uh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said the Catholic school too. I was the Catholic school girl. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and, too. Yeah, and for mm -hmm. I went to Catholic school for um, all the way until high school, mm -hmm. and uh, you know you you are expected to go to mass during the week. You're expected to go on the weekend, and so. When I got into probably like my early 20s, I was like, mm, this is not really for me, not not going to do this anymore and uh, left it for a while. Always believed in God, but left the church. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm I'm very glad I found my way back to uh, God, just not the Catholic Church. Yes. <laughs> I sort of, yeah, had a similar, a similar journey, you know, um, and, and when I left in eight, at 18, it was around the time that the scandal was sort of coming to light or right. the time that I became aware of it anyways. I remember that there were people protesting outside of my high school uh, for a couple of weeks because they said that they had been abused by priests in the past. And mm -hmm. maybe I used that as an excuse to leave, but I did leave and. Um, I, I don't, I was not a zealot atheist, but it was another thing like being a Democrat where I just sort of fell into this idea that there is no God, that you know, I'm God, I, I manifest my own reality, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. And when I started opening my eyes in 2020, 2021 to different things, I started listening to people like Dennis Prager and Ben mm -hmm. Shapiro which is maybe ironic because they're not, they're not Christians, <laughs> but they, they speak about God, you know, and they speak about this degenerate culture and a, a more traditional culture and a better way of living. Mm -hmm. And that really spoke to me. And somewhere in there, I just felt called to open my Bible again. Mm 
And I would have right. gone back to a Catholic church, but they were all closed at the time and pushing the right. vaccines in LA. And and I don't hate the Catholic church at all. I, I know that there's a big controversy here and I'm not enough of a theologian to know the difference. I will say that having grown up in the Catholic church and having gone to Catholic school, I don't feel like I knew Jesus until I walked into a Christian church. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> That's see, And Ellie had the same experience. She grew up the exact same way um, oh, wow. in Catholic school and the whole nine yards. And, you know, that's what she always makes reference to is that we never learned the Bible mm -hmm. um, and never learned God's word until we weren't in the Catholic church. And yeah. that went, that rang true for both of us. So. Yes. I feel that. And I still go back to mass sometimes, but it's very, once you, once I've been to a Catholic or uh, Christian church, mass seems very, I love the ritual. I love the architecture. Um, but it is very, it feels like people are asleep. They're mm -hmm. not singing. And again, this is anecdotal. I'm in LA, so maybe it's a different story in LA. But no, there, no one's singing, <laughs> no one's praising. Yeah. <laughs> and there is an emphasis. I love Mary. I love, obviously, the mother. I think that speaks to women. It should speak to everyone. But it's it's not centered on Christ. And so I don't feel like I knew the Bible until I, I opened it for myself. I knew it in, in Catholic school. I knew the stories. But I didn't really know what the Bible said until I opened it for myself. And then going to a Christian church, one of the ones I go to, you know, you're in the Bible, you're opening it in the pew and flipping or not the pew, mm -hmm. I guess, a Catholic church, but, and you're flipping through it and it's so hands-on. And I just did not experience that in the Catholic church. And I think there's a place for the Catholic church. I'm, I'm not going to condemn it because my parents are still Catholic and I have a lot of love. I just protested with the Catholics at, at Dodger stadium, but I think there's, certainly something here for us all having a similar experience. I think the Catholic church needs a, a revitalization or maybe right. some An overhaul. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So outside of, and, and I think I'm going to guess and say when you, when you leaned more toward the atheistic uh, theology or whatnot at that particular time, I think a lot of people do that because they're searching not just for themselves, like who they want to be, what they want to do, you know, and it's something new because you've mm -hmm. always had to grow up in this. Mm -hmm. Now I don't have to be that way anymore. Like I'm yeah. a rebel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we all have to go through that. <laughs> oh. it, feels it feels exciting for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> So in, in 2020, when summer 2020, when, when this was all happening to you and, and things were uh, slowly opening your eyes to the possibility that maybe um, somebody was full of boo-boo uh, and maybe not telling the truth, how did you feel emotionally when you started like waking up to the fact that, okay, we're being told some stories? It's very humbling and also very scary. I mm -hmm. think if I had to guess, I would say that the reason that more people didn't quote unquote wake up, I sort of hate that phrase, but for lack right. of a better phrase, is that I think it's a lot scarier to think, well, there's people who are allegedly have my best interests at heart who are lying to me and mm -hmm. harming me. I think in some ways that is scarier than a virus. 
Right. I say that with the full understanding that there are quote unquote worse viruses than COVID-19, what we actually experienced, but right. especially given the relative survivability of COVID, this was scarier, that there was some sort of dark force at play. And it, it really is very jarring too. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I still have a lot to learn, but I, like I said, I, I could tell very early on, like a lot of people that something was not right here and that I wasn't going to be given a choice in a lot of things and that there was something more going on other than just trying to keep us safe. And so maybe that's why I, I went back to God. You know, maybe that's what called me back to him was that it does feel like you're a lost at sea without any kind of flotation device, especially mm -hmm. during that time. But I basically everything I thought I knew to be true was falling away. And then we were in the middle of this pandemic. And I don't know. Kind of like um, a lot of people describe it as as like a, a death of your old self. Yeah. Right. When you're when you're finding out for the first time. And that's why a lot of people get really depressed and, you know, anxious mm -hmm. and things like that, because it's like the old you and the old information that you knew, you know, you're finding out it was mm -hmm. baloney. Um, yeah. And so like you have to put away your pride and that kind of hurts for a lot of people that you're like, I, I always thought I was right about like all of these yeah. things and now I'm not. And who am I now that I don't have those beliefs? Yeah. Were you kind of like that? Yes. Yes. Because you want to hold on to these identities and right. Exactly. You said it perfectly. Who am I without these beliefs? Mm -hmm. And it would have been a lot harder, I think, if I've found mostly that the center, the right, whatever it is, the, the non-radical left, the questioners, the free thinkers, the non-politicians, that's what that's what it is. <laughs> well, whoever they are, they're very welcoming, you know, and so it, it wasn't this thing of, well, where have you been or why did it take you so long? So right. I it was a really easy sort of thing. Well, I'm no longer welcome over here because I have these questions about COVID and BLM. And there's this whole, all these other people who don't even align on everything, but they're very welcoming and they're ready. They're so excited to have someone also questioning and also seeing, right. having the veil lifted from over their eyes. So maybe it would have been a lot harder if I hadn't found this, this very welcoming welcome. So how has it been like um, for you and, and having these new beliefs, how has it been for you with uh, your circle of family or friends? Well, to be honest, I struggled with friends before this. So I won't pretend as though I know a lot of people have a story of, well, I lost my best friend of so many years mm -hmm. and this and that. I don't, I don't really have that story, but I, I did have a deep sense of, People who, because I, like I said, I've always been kind of shy, but people who knew me uh, as an acquaintance, knew me and liked me, had worked with me on a play or something like that. I, I watched them unfriend and unfollow me, which sounds so silly. And it is in the grand scheme of things. But I'm a, a very self-aware kind of overthinking person. And I, <laughs> You're I'm a aware critical of thinker, Natalie. Yes. Well, that's true. Yes. <laughs> but uh Sometimes a little too much inward thinking. And I, I, I never want to do the wrong thing. 
which is why some of this has been really hard standing up against the powers that be during COVID right. and everything. Because I am a real follower. I'm a Catholic schoolgirl at heart. And so I did notice a lot of people leaving me. Some people left nasty messages, whatever. But I, I was fortunate, I guess, in that I didn't have the best friends to lose. Right. Um, it's been hard with family, but I think that at the end of the day, we're, we're family. What I feel about this COVID thing, this response to COVID, is that it took cracks that were already there and sort of highlighted them. And, Amen to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For better or worse. I don't know. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in certain situations, like my situation, it is better. <laughs> That's great. I love to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, my it, family, we were sort of divided, you know, even on the vaccine. And it, it was the way we were already divided, but it was the vaccine sort of heightened that and made it right. more intense. And so many families struggled with that. And I just hate it because it seems like it was unnecessary. At the end of the day, you probably didn't need this vaccine. And so how it ripped apart families, it, the graphs were already there, as I said, but how right. it ripped people apart. Yeah. But my family is still, we're still a family. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Um, I have everybody that listens to the show knows this, but like my mom completely deserted me Mm. because I didn't believe everything that the view was saying or the today Uh show. And I'm trying to tell her, I'm like, mom, I'm a nurse. Like I did vaccines for a long time. I was Mm -hmm. the director of the program. Let me tell you why this doesn't make any sense and whatever. And anyway, She's like, nope, don't want to hear it, whatever. And so that just, like you said, highlighted the crack that was already in the relationship. And so when you don't have that uh, stress and that uh, turmoil from the toxicity anymore, it's actually kind of freeing. And (laughs) a lot of people are like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I'm not. (laughs) i am just not i know that sounds funny but yeah Mm -hmm. like it we're like oil and water and we always have Mm -hmm. them so yeah yeah and she's still she's still of that that mindset huh yes Mm -hmm. oh i'm sorry to hear that i'm not but you're right i mean sometimes (laughs) well i want her to wake up for her you know but i guess sometimes what they say you choose your own family that type of thing and Mm -hmm. yeah and I th- I'm just going to say uh, with the comment that you made earlier about not having a lot of friends prior to, mm-hmm. welcome to my universe. I'm the <laughs> very same way. So is Ellie. We, we like to say uh, we have a small circle for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I there like you that. go. That's another <laughs> thing we have in common. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was I was already isolated. And then the COVID response to COVID was more isolating. And again, I don't I don't want to make it all about that or all about me. But there were so many things in this response that I think we are still discovering the results of even with the kids that I work with, the kids with autism, they couldn't go to school. And so they regressed in their progress. Just all these little domino effects from the side that claims to care about the mental health and the emotional health and the underdog and the 99% and the underprivileged, it, it, it was just decimated. And so here I was someone who was already struggling with these lack of relationships and being told to stay home with this roommate that I didn't really know and 
so many other worse situations, but right. that was really, really hard. And I was, like I said, I was on board and then it was, oh, okay, we can go out and burn down the city, but I still can't go out. Like I need to go out. So it was- I can't go outside. Up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, LA has a really strong patriot conservative community. I think because we're in like the belly of the beast, it's, it's, we're right. more tightly knit. So- like I said, I've, I've found so many online and, and in person. I've been fortunate enough to find a lot of people who are more than welcoming. And we don't agree on everything, you know, but right. uh, we're questioners and free Which thinkers. Is, and, you know, it's okay to have like differing opinions on a subject mm -hmm. um, because that's where you solve problems. That's where your greatest mm -hmm. uh, debate and intellectual discussion is. It's when you have those mm -hmm. topics where somebody just absolutely will not let you speak your piece because you have to listen to them. Yeah. And you're you right. be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. You never get to an answer. I mean, not that we're ever getting to the answer in this life, but you never get to an answer that way. And mm -hmm. you don't know what the other side is saying. If you, if you never listen, I right. think that's part of the reason why the left has the radical left has such a hard time debating and not just calling you a name because everything is set up in society. They have almost all of the institutions, all of the media, all of Hollywood. They never really have to defend their position. Right. And then when it comes down to having to do it, a lot of them are, are incapable because they've never had to question it. I never had to question it really prior to 2020. Mm -hmm. And so there is something to be said to listening to the other side. And then maybe you come out even more entrenched in your position because you're sure you're <laughs> right, but you've at least heard the other side. And what right. And that's the thing, because um, a lot of the videos that you do, um, I'm sure ruffle some people, <laughs> uh, their feathers. But I like the way that you approach things. I like the way that you think about things. Thank you. And it's important to talk about you know, like the feminism topic and like the one I watched a while ago about the, you know, the men, you know, that that are bashing marriage these days. Yeah. And, you know, it's true. Everything that you say is true. Everything is very thought out, very well uh, put together, very organized. But I'm sure it offends some people because they have never had to think about a topic in the way that you present it. So thank yeah. you for doing what you do. Well, thank you for your words. You'll well, always offend, offend someone, I guess. I know. I'm very highly Honor. offensive to a lot of people and that is okay <laughs> because uh, I am old. And so I have the right to offend <laughs> whoever I want to now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they could just see inside our hearts, though, you know, we mm -hmm. are not, I, from what I can tell about you, having listened to some of your episodes, we're not hateful people. And it's no, so huh? silly that we can't. Everything I say, I say because I care about women. I love women. And a right. lot of people think I hate them. And I care about everyone. And I want everyone to lead the most happiest, although we're not here to be happy, but the most successful, most fulfilled, most joy-filled life possible. Right now, the way we're doing it doesn't seem to be working for most people. So maybe there's something to listening to someone who ruffles <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like the old saying, like, 
don't keep beating your head on the wall <laughs> and expect different results. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, don't, don't repeat the same thing over and over and, and, and never change. Yeah. And so one of the things that I have talked about multiple times on this show is the whole feminist movement. I have a problem with feminism uh, because I think that was the beginning of the destruction of the female and what their actual role was biblically. Mm -hmm. Yes. I can't, <coughs> excuse me, cat hair tickle. <laughs> I cannot, um, it's kind of like, uh, like I said before, with pushing, you know, whatever group it is to the forefront. And this is, you know, you have to like follow or jump on the bandwagon. I have never been in that camp because I could see it a mile down the road. I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. I mean, wonderful, you know, like the suffragette movement where we got the right to vote. Okay, that's mm -hmm. great. But it's not any different to me um, of pushing the feminist movement forward and you have to make more than a man and you have to rule the house and you have to, like, I'm not going to cook because that's beneath me. And mm -hmm. like all the stuff that goes along with it, you know, in my body, my choice until it's, conveniently not in other circumstances <laughs> you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah um but i i can't stand that stuff because to me that is no different than these like you said with the you know whole acting community where it's based on or you're higher or whatever to basically meet a race quota mm -hmm. and every employer that's a big employer has a, a person <laughs> in charge of that department mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't get that. And oftentimes it ends up harming the very people that it claims want to help. I think, 100%. I think we see that with feminism and maybe we can mm -hmm. talk about that, but I was just listening to Thomas soul talk about affirmative action. I mean, years ago, it, mm -hmm. thankfully he's still around, but, uh, he was talking about how these kids who are really intelligent, they're at the top of their class, but it just so happens that the the white students are a little bit higher at the top of their class and the Asian students are even higher at the top of mm -hmm. their class. Right. And these students who would otherwise excel in wonderful universities in their own right, go to Harvard or whatever it is, and they feel like failures because it's been manufactured to where they're failing when otherwise they could have gone to a wonderful school. Right. And been at the top. And so, and I'm not saying that's true of every single black student, but I'm saying when we see things like affirmative action, I don't know whether it's by design or not, but these things, when we prop up this one group, I think we see it with the trans community right now with mm -hmm. the medical mm -hmm. treatment that we're giving. We mm -hmm. prop up this group and then years later, it's like, oh crap. And I, like I said, I don't know if that's by design. I'm <laughs> starting to think Kind of. Kind of like, uh, you know, when Margaret Sanger invented Planned Parenthood yes. and it was like, oh, we just love the black and poor community. Mm -hmm. We're going to put 
places in all of their neighborhoods. Give them yeah. free health care. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. While we're sterilizing literally the whole entire population in those neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I wish, I don't know what it takes to get, to get more people to see that. I, our, mm -hmm. uh, we've been so brainwashed as women and I was pro-choice for so long. And now I speak at pro-life rallies because I can't, mm -hmm. I can't believe how little logic and how little truth and how little science is on that side. It's really just emotion. And I think women have just been bamboozled to this idea of we can't survive without abortion, which is mm -hmm. crazy because it is our own offspring. And you're right. I mean, the 40% of abortions are of, of black babies. So mm -hmm. that right there makes the left, you know, want to blow their minds if they really thought about it, but no one really thinks about it. Right. And that's, that's such a tragedy to me. And I, I do think, like you said, feminism really was... I mean, I listen, I think there's an argument for I would never want to repeal the 19th, but I think there's an argument for voting reform. I think there's something to be said for having a vote per family or a vote per landowner or something. Mm -hmm. I know that might sound crazy. So I think it goes back to the 19th. But to your point, right. there is a definite difference between first and second wave feminism and 100%. third and fourth. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, it should have stopped at, you know, right after the second wave, because third and fourth has been about making women into second rate men will never be men. And it's not about celebrating womanhood and women are different. And I understand that every woman wants to stay home or have babies, right? But most of them, a lot of them too. <laughs> we feel that calling in our thirties. Right. Because um, we have the, we have the been born with the innate ability uh, to nurture. Yes. It's, it's, it's the one thing us. we can do that men cannot do. And there, a man will be able to do everything. I'm so, I'm very aware of it. The videos I make, a man could do it. Anything I could do, a man could do it. The acting job, a man could do it. But a man cannot, I mean, now we think men can get pregnant, but a man cannot give birth <laughs> or be a mother. and Or have a period. Uh, exactly. And we have ceded a lot of that power. Exactly. Exactly. And this is none of this has worked out in our favor, you know, and we, we think that this is liberation, but and no one wants to talk about this, but it's we have given away a lot of our power in being promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Yes, because it does not serve us to you may enjoy it for a time. Most women don't. Most women do get attached. Again, no one wants to talk about the biological differences. No one wants to tell a young woman, maybe don't go to college because your time is different than a man's. And maybe you could start a family if it works out that way and have a career right. after. But that would blow someone's mind to say that to a young woman nowadays. But it might help her in the long run because we have so many women in their 30s and their 40s. An unmarried woman and at 42 is is one of the most unhappiest groups, you know, according to studies, they're consistently unhappy. And so right. are we really hurting people or are, or are we helping them? And we have given up a lot of our power in giving away our sex so easily to men. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to marry us. Uh, a lot of times they think they don't want to marry us. I, I think ultimately men do want that. But we have things like no fault divorce, which I was talking about in that video earlier today, right. which has made marriage really not in men's favor, not in anyone's favor. It's essentially a boyfriend girlfriend relationship that now the government is involved in. And right. if a man makes more, she, she will take half of his income. So I can understand how men think that way, but it's not going to get us anywhere good. And women really, we had so much of our upper hand is in 
controlling access to sex, not in a manipulative way, but just in we are beautiful, mm -hmm. men desire us, men want to pursue us. And instead, we have behaved like men for decades. We have pursued men. We have pursued men's jobs. We have pursued everything that men right. do. And we have given access to sex far too easily. And that that does, I, I know this, it's hard to talk about this and not sound manipulative, but it seeds a lot of our power because why would a man, why would a man commit to you nowadays? Why would a man make it legal? Why would a man? Because they don't have to, because they, they have, have a roster mm -hmm. that they can go down, right? Yes, exactly. And that makes men more, and I'm not blaming women or men first, but that makes men more degenerate because men are inclined to, to want to do a lot of different things. I think mm -hmm. Christian men, especially good men, are called to temper that just like women are called to temper well, our emotions can get out of control. That doesn't mean we just right. go along with it because we're no more than animals. No men have this strong desire to spread around themselves around and women have a strong desire to get off, fly off the handle and be emotional, but we have to act like human beings act like we were made right. in this image. But when women give it up so easily, well then yes, men are not in some ways we we sort of elevate them, the existence of women. We we push them to be better men, but not if we're where the men, not if we're not being better women. And they don't have men don't have to be elevated right now. They they always talk about I, I love this and I hate it, you know, how hard your grandfather had to work to see a pair of breasts. <laughs> <laughs> right. And men nowadays don't have to do anything. And and their breasts are well, all over the place. No, they, so could, they, don't they do could literally go to a parade on the street and <laughs> get full view of literally every part that you want to show. Exactly. Exactly. And so there's something. And that's not good for men. It's not good for women. And that's what I'm saying is I think in so many ways, women... We're the most vulnerable, so I think we go down first, but then men follow. It's not good for anyone. What's not good for women is not good for men and vice versa. And I I just wish that I'm, I'm so ready for, I think it's happening because I think so many people are unhappy. So many people realize this isn't the way to go. Uh, I've, I've been reading even that my generation, millennials, who were sort of breaking the mold and, and staying liberal, uh, this idea about, well, if you're not liberal when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not conservative when you're old, you don't have a brain. Millennials right. were sort of not going along with that. We were sort of staying liberal. Well, now I was reading the New York Times that millennials are getting more conservative. Even Gen Z in a lot of ways is getting conservative. Right. And it's not all about necessarily, you know, going back to barefoot in the kitchen and everything, you know, going back to 300 years ago. It's not about that. But there is our ancestors didn't get nothing right. And right now we're living as if they got literally nothing right. They right. were idiots and we know better and clearly we don't. So maybe there's things we could take from the past. I don't want to go back to segregation. Obviously, I just thought that the last three years. With the although, <laughs> although uh, the liberal side has pushed for a regression back to segregation, segregation. for for a lot of things for college campuses, mm -hmm. college dorms, graduation mm -hmm. ceremonies, uh, parties, you name it. Uh, yeah. they requested it and I'm like, did you have to take any kind of, uh, history course in right. school? Right. Curious, curious goings on. Again, but trying to help these people by regressing. We get so progressive that we start like, I guess, going exactly full that you, so you, you hit time. the limit and then you speed on backwards. Yes. So, and also, if white people are so racist, you don't want to put them all together in their own little graduation ceremony and well, right, <laughs> because, them off in their own groups. They're gonna all get radicalized and start. Right. I mean, if we're all inherently racist, you don't want us to start like knitting together while you're out there doing your own, you know, 
people of color graduation. Come on, it doesn't make any That's sense. That's a very good point. <laughs> so like you said earlier, like us giving away our freedoms as women because we got a little bit too promiscuous. And I just want to say, I had a family of girls who literally would not take birth control, wouldn't use condoms, none of the above. And they literally each would make like tick marks how many abortions they had. Every time they got pregnant, it would be like, okay, well, I have to go uh, schedule like another one. And I'm like, I feel like there's a failure there as a parent to have a discussion with them to tell them that maybe this is highly inappropriate. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the move that our culture has made where it's it's so accepted to have abortion it's like going to get your hair did at the salon you know and that's it's so this was when you were a nurse am i understanding that correctly okay uh -huh. yeah yeah and that is you know four I, girls in this family and every one of them had that's multiple and it's like a you know it's kind of like a celebrated thing these days uh, yeah. my body, my mm -hmm. choice. Right. Um, and so that's always the excuse and it's, it's not a baby. It's not a fetus. It's not right. living blah, blah, blah. However, just watch science cannibalize itself. Um, the science, the trusted science you're supposed to like <laughs> believe and listen to because uh -huh. the new push under the transgender movement is that babies, which I thought babies didn't exist. Babies can select their gender in the womb. <laughs> I, I, I heard something about that. Yes. I mean, no two, no two positions on the left. If you smack them up against each other, they do not hold water for more than two seconds. They constantly contradict. Trust, so trust the science, <laughs> believe the science, don't question the science, uh, but we don't believe it about uh, two <laughs> genders or yeah. lots of other things. And mm -hmm. these are the things I don't understand why more people don't go, huh? Yeah. Head scratch, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, but I didn't for a long time, so... I, I don't know, you know, but was but it, I, be, but, but in your defense, was it because you really didn't pay attention to a lot of this stuff like going on in the mm -hmm. grand scheme of, you know, political stuff and whatever? Yeah, I didn't pay attention. I think most, most people don't. Right. And I think they just go along with what they they think they're supposed to go along with mm -hmm. what they think is compatible. I do think that the people on the bottom, I'm not making excuses for the people at the top. Cause I think they know better, but I think uh, most right. people who vote towards the left or Democrat, they're all good people. They, they think that that is, I'm not saying Republicans, the answer I'd never vote are down party line, but right. they think that they're doing the right thing. And they think that they're being compassionate. 
But you know, to your point about those girls, uh, to be clear, there's always redemption for you. I don't care how many abortions you've had, but right. the thing about us as women is we really don't, I don't believe sex without consequences exists, period. For Agreed. Men Agreed. But it doesn't exist for women at all. I mean, if you want to say it, it exists for men, I, I disagree. But for women, if you get pregnant, you are either having the baby or mm-hmm. you are aborting the baby and that has consequences still. And you will right. have physical consequences from that quite possibly. You will Correct. probably have emotional consequences. I belong to so many groups of women talking about their abortions and no one, no one, again, no one wants to talk about this. And I, I think it's wrong no matter what, no matter what situation, but I understand that mm-hmm. there's some sort of, you know, safe, legal and rare, et cetera maybe some argument for keeping it just under these circumstances. Again, I disagree. I would like to see that not the case, but you totally kill that argument when you act like it is just going to get your teeth cleaned. It is no big deal Mm -hmm. because then why did it ever have to be rare? Why did Bill Clinton say rare? Did the science on abortion change in the last 30 years or should it have always been rare? And now we're at the point where we are celebrating it and we're lying to these women because you will have consequences from your abortion. You will have a dead baby. You will always be a mother. From Mm -hmm. the moment I didn't realize this and I went to school, I mean, I feel like an idiot. I was a smart kid. I was salutatorian. I forgot that life begins at fertilization. I really did not know. And then I started going down. It was this story about God had been calling me to change my opinion on on the abortion issue but it was one of the last holdouts and then in march of 2022 there was this story about the dc5 it was these this progressive atheist feminist anti-abortion group they got this box from this abortionist outside of an abortion clinic in 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 dc this guy cesar santangelo who's been on video from an undercover uh, live action investigation mm-hmm. admitting that he would not help babies who were born alive after abortion which is illegal um right all sorts of things you can you can google this live action cesar santangelo undercover thing but they got this box from someone who was carrying it away to waste and inside were 115 fetuses and they were five very late term fetuses and mm-hmm. these babies look like a couple of them you know, may have undergone partial birth abortion, which is also federally illegal right. because they were just, I mean, they look like babies you would have seen in the NICU unit, you know, mm-hmm. a little, a little messed up, but they were fully formed. And one of them even had this eye, this bright blue eye, like looking at the camera. And that was the moment that I really realized this is wrong. I mean, this should not be happening to these at least five babies right? like this. They're fully formed. And so I was so surprised in sort of researching more, which sounds so absurd to say that at fertilization, a whole individuated genetically distinct, the, all the DNA Correct. is formed. So you have already reproduced before you know you're pregnant. So you will Correct. always be a mother because you are a mother for that moment. That is your genes mixed with someone else's. Mm-hmm. And it's all the genes that he or she needs to ever become everything he's going to be. So you will always bear the consequences of sex. And and even if you don't get pregnant, I think that sex has consequences because it emotionally ties us to people. But women do not get sex without consequences. No one does, but women, women especially don't. So let's just well, deal with it. You know what? I love that. And I, I wish more parents would have those difficult conversations with their kids. I started with my daughter when she was like six. Um, because, you know, as a nurse and working in the field, like we're seeing them younger and younger and younger 
come in pregnant. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, heck no, you're not going to be nine years old and pregnant. That's not going to happen. And so we used to have those difficult conversations about consequences. And these are the things and you can get this and this and this STD and literally the whole nine yards. But I think parents are uncomfortable talking about sex in a lot of situations themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're very uncomfortable to have that conversation with their kids and it's necessary. Yeah. Yes. I, I sort of experienced that, you know, in Catholic school and there was a lot that I didn't know. And I think there is that (laughs) abstinence only educate. I do think abstinence is the way to go prior to marriage. I think it serves everyone. I also understand that we're fallen creatures. And so there is something to be said for learning about things. And I think almost in a way, if I, you know, if, if kids know more, you might be a little more cautious because there is a lot out there. And and if right. you know the truth about abortion and you know the truth about STDs and you know the truth about women being biologically different than men. And yeah, we're, we're going to get more attached quicker than he is. And I, if you know those things, not as a scare tactic, but just you're armed with that knowledge, maybe you will make better choices. And another thing, I mm-hmm. think we spend so much time focusing on not getting young girls pregnant. I was listening to a doctor say this the other day, and it wasn't even political. This doctor, for all I know, was pro-choice. But she works with women who have infertility, you know, later on down the line. And so many people are unfortunately struggling with that. We put so much emphasis on- That's going to get worse. That's going to get worse. I I agree with you. And that that worries me. But all, all our talk about this is centered on do not get pregnant when you're too young, before college, while you're in college. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I think we're- it is very easy right now to not get pregnant, but I think so many women are not aware of their biology. They're not aware of the days they can get pregnant. They're right. not aware. And we're all aware we have a biological clock, but you don't feel it until a certain point. And so there's so much emphasis on the front end about, oh, for God's sake, don't get pregnant. But we don't teach women about the span of their cycles. And there will come a day where you, you can't get pregnant and you might want to get pregnant at that point. And so our whole thing is skewed just totally towards really anti-natalism. Right. And it's, again, it does such a disservice to women. And this sounds like absurd stuff. Like, well, you took biology class, you can get on Google. But I, I really question how many women are being taught the reality of being a woman, which is both wonderful and awful and scary and all of it. But you are different than a man and you might want to make mm-hmm. different choices. And it's not all about, oh, for goodness sake, just don't get pregnant. Right. And, you know, that that goes along, too, with um, the whole birthing process in the hospital and the trauma that it causes because of the procedures that they use Mm -hmm. um, and and things that they don't talk to you about, you know, as far as like women's health after, you know, birth and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And our system is set up for women to fail on so many different levels. And, you know, here, just take these hormones at, you know, 12 years old and they don't tell you like what birth control pills do to your body. So 
Yeah. But more people are waking up to that. Maybe it's just the Instagram accounts I follow. Maybe I'm too far in it, but I feel like it's becoming more mainstream Mm -hmm. to talk about the, uh, the toxicity of hormonal birth control. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think CNN just did a hit piece on it of it's a right wing conspiracy theory to talk about. It was CNN or MSNBC or something that it was some political thing to just talk about hormonal tricking your body into thinking that you're pregnant for this many decades might be a problem, you know? So Anytime I love that it's becoming more mainstream. That you hear the mainstream media say it's a right-wing conspiracy <laughs> theory, it means it's true. True. It's not a conspiracy. Yeah. So I just know I'm super thankful for you and who you are as a person and for you not being afraid to have the voice um, and put your thoughts out there because honestly, there's not enough women speaking out um, on all kinds of fronts about all kinds of different subjects. And there's a lot of females on this planet and I wish more people would find their voice like you did. Thank you, Janet. That, that means a lot. And if I can help, you know, even one woman, uh, that -hmm. would be fantastic to me. I think so often, even the conservative, sometimes the Christian, definitely the manosphere side of things sort of discards women. And if you, if you're this age, well, it's too late. If you did this many things in your youth that maybe were untoward, well, it's too late. And I do think men and women, both Christian, conservative, especially, we have to offer some side of redemption to people. And ultimately, God offers that. Uh, but it cannot just be this thing of you're you're discarded. Otherwise, right. women will continue to behave in the waves that they behave because the left props it up. The left idolizes you if you're promiscuous, if you have a high power <laughs> career and you uh-huh. don't have children. So women are going to go over there if we keep condemning them if we keep acting as if they're garbage as if there's no hope i think there's hope for everyone and uh we need we need strong families again so a hundred percent and i <laughs> i agree with that wholeheartedly uh, that was beautifully said and beautifully put um so where can the lovely listeners find you at my dear <laughs> i am on instagram and twitter uh youtube rumble true social all over under some variation of Natalie Jean Beisner. I didn't make it very easy. <laughs> it's all different variations. But if you search for Natalie Jean Beisner or Natalie Beisner, uh, I should be there. <laughs> and it, for the listeners, um, make sure that you go and follow her, watch her content, because like I said earlier, um, it's very thought provoking. It's very well laid out. Um, share some of that stuff with other people who you think could benefit from those messages. Uh, so make sure you follow her on social media, make sure you follow her YouTube channel, the whole nine yards. Um, because this lady is on fire and she has a lot to say. So miss Natalie from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much again for, uh, honoring me with your time today. Uh, you're a beautiful, beautiful soul, beautiful person. (laughs) And I'm very glad we were able to connect. So it was my pleasure. Thank you. So for me and for Natalie, have a good one guys. And we'll see you next time.